Hi, and welcome to the My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally podcast. I am your host, Kat Jepsen, a canine nutritionist with an innate obsession with dogs and the natural ways in which we are driven to live because of them. So let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally podcast. I am your host, Kat Jepsen, and today we are having a guest, and that is a lovely Becca, who is joining us from, where are you joining us from, Becca? From sunny, sunny Dorset. Oh, from sunny, sunny Dorset. I didn't realise you were that far down. Well, Ooh, well. <laughs> welcome to the show. It's lovely to Thank have you, you here. Um, so Becca is going to discuss with us today um, growing fresh to feed fresh. So this is growing your own food to feed it fresh to your dogs. Now we're going to cover topics such as aware, be, being aware of the potential toxicity in garden plants, what plants to avoid, and we're going to be looking at growing fresh in containers and small spaces. So this is a new topic for us to explore and it's something that I don't know a lot about personally. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it um, and I hope you are too. <laughs> So, <laughs> Becca, why don't we start with a little bit of a brief introduction and um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your pets? Right, well, thanks for having me on, Kat. Um, I'm Becca um, and I am mum to uh, Steele, who's next to me, sorry, his head off at the moment, who is a <laughs> crocodile. Um, he's eight and a half. And we also have Paolo in the house um, and he is a cat who is around 14, I think now. He came, him and his sister Florence came to stay with us temporarily um, eight years ago. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how temporary it's going to be. <laughs> um, so, yeah. uh, sadly, we lost Floss earlier on this year, but um, I'm very keen on feeding fresh with both of them to, to maximise their health. So I'm really thrilled to be here with you. Um, and horticulture is, I work in horticulture and have done for about the last uh, 11, 12 years, I suppose. Um, did many other things beforehand, but horticulture is my thing now. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today about how that balances out with feeding fresh with, with the fur kids. Yeah, because I mean, I'm guessing, well, I don't know, actually. Um, did you get interested in horticulture for personal reasons or did your pets lead you there well actually it was personal oh was it yeah at the time I started to work in horticulture um we just had a cat oh, right, um, okay. and uh, we didn't even have dogs in the house at the time um so yeah it was I just reached my late 30s and decided I quite liked plants <laughs> I've just done that now I think at 33 <laughs> yeah I think it does happen you reach a point where I think I'd always appreciated a nice garden um and I was lucky to grow up in some lovely houses with beautiful gardens but I wouldn't say my mum and dad were particularly keen gardeners yeah. they kept the garden nice um but both my grandma and my granddad, my my mum's parents were really keen. My my granddad, it was all about his edible crops. He had his allotment. Um, he had the greenhouse at the top of the garden. And then grandma was all about her ornamentals. Um, yeah. So I think I probably got it from them. Because I've <laughs> not come across anyone else in the family that's quite so obsessed as I am. But yeah, it took took me a while before I really decided it's what I wanted to do. All right, yeah. So now we love it. I think you I think the same for me um 
Well, my gran was, she liked gardening, but the ornamental side of it. She liked things to be neat and tidy, and it was flowers and plant pots and things like that. Um, and my mum is a keen gardener, um, but for the same kind of reason, it's the ornamental, it's the plants, it's the flowers, it's not so much the food. Yeah. So this brings me on to my, well, first question sort of thing. Um, for those that don't actually know, because I bet there are people there sitting, I don't really know what this is. What is horticulture? In simplest terms, it's working with plants. So whether that be your edible crops, so growing your own veg, fruit, etc. Um, and again, your ornamental plants. So that's your, your flowers and your shrubs and your trees. Again, you get your fruit trees as well. So it's it's working around plants. That's so what culture is. And is that, and do you work with both at the moment? You do? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, I currently help to run a small wholesale plant nursery. Um, and we have a really well rounded range of plants that we stock and supply Ooh. to small garden centres, um, shops, farm shops, and also to a lot of trade. So we get a lot of landscaper gardeners um developers property developers coming in and sourcing their plants from us but there's everything there from your annual plants um all the way through to you know massive specimen trees and things like that mm, i think uh, massive specimen trees are really expensive yes <laughs> yeah. give me an example of the cost of a tree and what um, size like no. do you sell them in different sizes we do so yeah. you know, a lot of people will just come in and, and buy kind of a, a standard free they tend to in our place work out around about 34 35 pounds for a smaller one and when you say small is that like five foot around six foot i would six say foot. yeah yeah okay still um, quite skinny still, the trunks are still quite skinny yeah. on those ones yeah the yeah girth of your trunk would be quite small on something like that right okay. we don't tend to hold lots of stock of the bigger trees but we're able to source them for the landscapes if they need them yeah um, they can run into hundreds of pounds yeah i can imagine i can imagine because obviously like the really really big trees are like 100 years old out there that you see out in the in the i don't know something like nostal priory and the national national forest and things like that they would be that old so it just literally takes all that time for them to get yeah that yeah. big <laughs> oak trees around and we forget that's taken a hundred years for it to get to do that size yeah imagine how many things it's seen absolutely <laughs> you know <laughs> it's mad um everybody's thinking i'm crazy because i'm saying trees can see things but you know what i mean <laughs> they're living and breathing they are they know more than we do <laughs> i am a tree hugger i do like a tree cuddle now and then well, you know, there is lots of research into that. And, it, you know, it's supposed to be really good for you. So you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, th there is a lot to be said for working with plants, working with soil and being in nature and mental health. So, yeah, you know, definitely. For me, that's a big thing, um, as well as being out in such a lovely environment and being able to help by growing plants to yeah. be fresh for steel yeah yeah exactly that's it and we in that way you are nourishing your environment rather than just taking from it and giving something back which is you know what we essentially should be doing everybody should be doing a bit of that um so you've just told us that you are currently helped to run a nursery but what are your over the 12 years did you say what are your experiences with horticulture be that professionally and personally 
probably, I mean, I start, as I say, I, I kind of got more interested in it when I was in my late 30s. And I think a lot of that came from moving to a house where there was already a really nice established garden. Right. Um, and it was so beautiful. I just wanted to keep it looking that way. Um, and suddenly just realised that I loved it. You know, as a kid, I was very much an outdoorsy kid. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, out there making and eating mud pies, climbing trees, you know. <laughs> Connecting um, with nature. <laughs> absolutely. And that's where I was at my happiest when I was, you know, elbow deep in mud. I think um, I was the same when I was younger, but I think it's because it was free as well. So, you know, obviously yeah. when like back in the day, no one had any money. I mean, it's not got no money now, but no one had any yeah. money. So you need, you need to find free things to do and explore in nature. But yeah. children are just so imaginative that they can go out into just like Esme goes out into the garden and she's out there hours just yeah. connecting, just collecting. She collects everything, you know, and comes back, sorts it all out and then goes and gets some more. She could be out there for hours and like she just, she's not, she's just, immersed in nature and it's just so amazing to watch sorry yeah. i just totally cut you off <laughs> no fine and i think the bad thing is we are most of us are like that as children yeah. um and then life gets in the way yeah um, when you get older it definitely does yeah and whether it's because you're too busy with your job and you're stuck behind a desk and don't get me wrong i spent years working in an office yeah um, so and did i yeah, and I, I kind of got away from who I was and this, you know, woman that was happy to be dirty and tromping yeah. around and, you know, I moved away from that a lot and it, suddenly that passion came back to me. Yeah. Um, so I decided this was something I wanted to do for a living. Um, I'd helped out a friend who was a gardener with a few projects um both in his garden and other customers gardens and thought you know this is what, what i want to do um so yeah. i started i went and got myself a job at a garden center um, Good. Learn Good. A bit more. um and then through that i did some qualifications um which was great worked my way up through the levels in the garden center i was a horticultural manager at the garden center mm -hmm. after about two years i was in that job for six years I think before I then became the general manager ah. um, and then last year I moved from the garden centre to the nursery they they approached me uh, it was under a new management and wanted to know if I'd go and give them a hand um, and for me having enjoyed being out and in contact with the plants my couple of years as the store manager meant I was more office based again so actually you know, oh. when they approached me I did jump at the chance and yeah. now I get to get filthy every yeah, day because managerial roles as well it's not just about the plants then is it it's about no. the functions of the business and all the boring stuff that comes with it yeah. which has yeah. to be done but it's nobody hard. wants it's to hard. do it yeah uh, your sales forecasting and your labor management and your health and safety and your Awful risk stuff. assessments and yeah 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 well no good good for you that's good i think it's i do like to see it when people do cater to their preferences and you know you're just saying you know throw caution to the wind i'm going to do what i want to do because i think it's too easy for us to get caught in the cycle the mundane cycle of having to get up and go to a job that we don't really like every day just because we need the money to pay the bills we are a slave to <laughs> that 
I yeah. think. And I mean, I, I run my own business from 2020. So I've run my own business for like three years. And then obviously we've just closed the pet shop down because I just, well, I'm not built for retail. I'm just not, you know, which is why now I'm shifting focus into more educational aspects and trying to help people feed their dogs fresher foods and become healthier because that is where my true passion lies like I don't enjoy selling things and I think it's important I know not everybody can take risks there are certain situations where you can't but I think you know if you can then you definitely should because life's too short definitely it's too short and you know it's gone before you know it so you should do something that you enjoy and especially if that is getting mucky with plants absolutely absolutely <laughs> all right I'm well physically exhausted at the end of every day it's amazing yeah no that's good that's good i bet it's satisfying it is yeah yeah so how so do you grow your own uh, vegetables yourself like do you grow your own food yeah at home? yeah and how yeah. long have you been doing that for probably about 10 years now i would say ah so you are a seasoned i want to say i want to say sort of like um it's not really a, is it a farmer are you a farmer oh no no is farmer like large scale yeah definitely so what would you be then what what is someone what is the term for somebody who kind of like grows the food for themselves just a keen gardener i suppose <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone can do it this is the thing yeah yeah you know it doesn't matter how much space you've got you can still grow something right okay so how can well, i need you to tell the people now how can we being whether whether i am somebody who lives in a space which has a huge garden where you mm -hmm. could do a dedicated vegetable patch or somebody who lives in an apartment building or somebody who lives in a house with a yard how can we as public as members of the public integrate horticulture into our daily lives um with our pets what are the benefits of doing so can we do it in a small space um how hard is it when we have no experience you know is it possible for us to do or is it something we should be scared of absolutely no one should ever be scared of it um, we all start somewhere. It doesn't matter how much space you've got. Even if you live in an apartment with no balcony, you can still grow some products as long as you're getting enough lighting. Okay. So, so there are a lot of herbs that you could grow. Yeah. Just be grown in small pots. I mean, look behind you. You've got lots of lovely house plants. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And of course, they're good having the house as well there are yeah. lots you need to be aware of when you've got pets in the house as well yeah um, that's something we'll talk about in a bit which is to do with the toxic toxins that are in some plants mm -hmm. um but depending on how little your dogs are yeah little dogs and how high you can put them um you wouldn't need to worry about that okay. um and also you know if you've got a dog that's going to chew on everything you might want to be a bit more cautious. A bit more cautious, yeah. Yeah, I mean, still, I had issues with him when he was younger that he'd grab stuff. I can remember coming home with a whole load of plants from work one day, and I'd left him out on the patio, and went out an hour later, and he'd shredded the lot. Oh. Um, just chucked them <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, every single one was out of the pot. <sighs> Garden. Oh, I remember when Barney was a puppy, he used to 
take the plants out of the pots and things because I mean I did have a couple don't get me wrong though I don't know how I managed to have some because I used to be useless with plants but but now I have to say my two boys are really really well behaved in that respect yeah. in the house I mean they'll go in the garden and they'll eat whatever they want but they tend to just pick things I think that they seek from their diet you know sort of like self-selecting what they need and things like and that well most yeah yeah I mean there are instances where obviously you need to kind of watch them because they might just eat anything but in the house they're not it's Esme you've got to watch in the house because she likes to <laughs> she likes to pick the leaves and the flowers off things mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like you know she's like doing all this with the with the because I've got a few big ones that stand on the floor and she's walking yeah. past and I'll say stop with the plants and then she'll sort of do that thing what kids do where they'll pretend they're not doing anything and walk past and like smack it and I'm like yeah. but yeah but the dogs tend to be okay in my situation which is good um, but so I think it's important as as a dog owner or a pet owner because this includes other animals as well just to have that awareness of that they can there are plants that can be toxic so if you have yeah. got a dog that likes to chew just be cautious okay but so, don't let it get you off that's the thing as I say, for yourself and for your pets, there's so much that you can grow on a windowsill. Like I say, herbs. I mean, are there any particular herbs that you would say? Yes, I love herbs. But And one thing I will say is that I think everybody, everybody, dogs and people, should be eating fresh herbs and foods as well. I mean, I know, oh, we, yeah. can, I know we can buy dried herbs, but herbs are so easy to grow that so i think easy. everybody should have some on their windowsill now if for me if i could pick three well actually one of one is not a herb so you will have to tell us how to grow this because i don't know but i want to grow <laughs> some so i want to know so i would probably say um german chamomile because yep. obviously it's great for digestion it's great for calming and it's also good for internal parasites so it's quite a good all-rounder in that respect and it's got the calming yep. aspect in there and then i'd probably say nettle although if you do you know you probably be able to go out and get some from the garden if you live in the countryside <laughs> away from all the you know the the roads and stuff but um, yeah. nettle definitely because it is such it's good for seasonal allergies it's good for the immune system it's good for the urinary tract and things like that and then the third one is garlic because and there are so many medicinal benefits to garlic it helps with fleas and ticks it helps with the immune system it helps to you know suppress um health conditions and fevers and things like that so how do you grow garlic really simply i mean if you've got a large space and you're putting in a dedicated veg patch um you can grow it in the ground but garlic's another classic one that's really easy to grow in containers so could uh, you do it in the house though or would it have to be outside you could probably if you had a balcony space i think inside it might struggle um but if you had even just a small balcony space you'd be able to grow some garlic um you can, in theory, take that bulb of garlic you've got from the supermarket and split it into cloves. And it's literally as simple as poking that clove into some good quality compost. All right, okay. Water yeah. and what can happen. Hairy bottom down, pointy side up. This is what we've always remember when it comes <laughs> to stuff like that. Okay, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. 
yeah, really simple to grow. And each of those cloves that you plant uh, will turn into a bulb of garlic. Hey, that's good, isn't it? That's good. So do you have to wait for it to sprout or can you just put it in as like a, so you have to sprout it first? No, no, no. Sorry. You don't need to wait for it to sprout to go into the soil. No. Oh, so you could just basically peel the garlic, put it in the soil, water yeah, it and then just leave it and it will grow. You can buy it in, you know, you can buy proper ones for growing from garden centers and things like that. And I would, to be honest, I would recommend doing that rather than from the supermarket, but it is an option. Yeah. And if you've got an, a, an old bulb of garlic and it's starting to shoot, get it in some soil. Uh, Start in your windowsill. Yeah. Give it a windowsill. If you yeah, think you a bulb of garlic, as long as your container is big enough to house that, why not try just sticking a clove in a pot on your windowsill and see what happens? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it yeah, and I'm going to yeah. document it and then I'll share the progress yeah. and see what we can do. Yeah. yeah, and as long as you keep your compost moist and it's getting light, the main thing, uh, plants, all plants need the same things. They need food, mm -hmm. they need air, they need light, and they need moisture. Yeah, okay, I can give them that. If you use a good compost, you might, you know, it, it's worth feeding as they start to grow, but garlic is part of the onion family. Mm -hmm. um so it will come up and it will look a bit like um well there's lots of other plants that are related to it so chives yeah again so easy to grow looks like bits of grass coming up but obviously you've got that hollow tube and the lovely little purple flowers on the top which are also edible um yeah yeah um and then obviously onions will grow the same you'll get the green stem come up but your actual onion is underground it's on un so is a garlic underground as well Yes, yeah. you'll just okay. see the green stem popping up. And how do you know when it's ready? Um, normally it's a time thing. Um, time. You'll start to see the the green that pops up will start to keel over a bit. And that's when ah, right. roughly at the right time. Ah, um, it's easy enough to just kind of loosen the soil and have a little feel and look at what's going on yeah. underneath. You see, I, I still get a bit anxious about messing with the plants while they're doing the thing like i feel like i'm intruding on their sacred time to grow <laughs> don't like messing with them like when i when i'm repotting the house plants i'm like oh i don't touch the roots i don't do it you know i don't want to disturb them but i just need to kind of get used to <laughs> you've been terrified if you see me at work today then hacking roots off of roses oh. and getting of pots and yeah i know i think sometimes we forget that plants are so like versatile and they will just bounce back and you can just take the roots off and they'll just grow right back yeah. but yeah. you know i know it's it's still just kind of i'm like oh i don't want to damage it i'll just <laughs> be very careful um so, thing as well with with anything when you're growing your own don't feel defeated if it doesn't work first time yeah you know, i've been doing this as i say for about 10 10 years now growing my own fresh foods and sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes yeah. it fail. You know, two years ago, I lost every single tomato to blight. And I've done nothing different in the previous few years or anything different in the last couple of years. But that one particular year, every single tomato I lost to blight, I had eight different varieties, didn't get a single tomato off of them. So what's blight? It's a disease. It's a bacterial so it's a disease. Right. Okay. Okay. And what causes it then? So, like, or does it, is it just something that happens? 
it could have been um, just a bad crop, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Because I'd bought them as plugs. So little teeny tiny seedlings. It could have just been a bad batch that came in. Oh, oh no. It's devastating. But I suppose you've just got to take the rough with the smooth. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, even though I've got quite a large garden, um, I am lucky. I live in a rural area and we have got a large garden. Mm -hmm. We had a veg patch at our old house, but we haven't ever got round to putting one in here just because we've been too busy. Yeah. So pretty much everything I grow, um, edible crops wise, is grown in containers. So what do you grow then? Um, potatoes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I always have lots of tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, um, loads of herbs. I've got just about every herb you could imagine growing in pots. Um, always have runner beans, peas, broad beans. Um, I even have tried doing a few sprouts in containers. Oh, and how did that go well? Not as well as some other things, but I got a few. Yeah, yeah well, um, a few is still good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, what else have we done recently? Always carrots, because still loves a carrot. Um, and actually, I find they grow better in a container than they do in the ground. Oh, do they? Yeah, particularly if you've got stony ground, you get a nice oh, straight. I, if you clay, heavy clay, ours is. Well, and again, if you if you're heavy clay, one of the problems that you might come across is um, it be, being too wet. Yeah, so, I think we're going to do ours in grow bags. Absolutely. Carrots in the grow bag sort of like up off yeah. up off the ground. Well, we're using raised beds for most of the veg anyway because it is so saturated with water here. Um, but we do have some of those like big grow bag things, which I think we're gonna do potatoes in those and we're gonna do like roots like carrots and things like that. So we'll see how they go. <laughs> I can say there's very little you can't grow in a bag or in a pot. Yeah, yeah. I think as long as it's got good drainage, is that the key? Is it just yeah. needs to have good good, good drainage? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You want you want your compost or your soil to be moist, but it needs to be well drained because the biggest killer, and this is the same for your house plants as it is any of your edible crops, your ornamental crops, your biggest risk is root rot. Right, okay. Okay. Um, because that's most plants will recover from drought. But if the roots start to rot, it's game over. Right. And that's it. That's for any plant. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you get aquatic plants. They right, yeah. Nice and wet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, majority of plants, if their roots are sitting permanently in water, you are going to get root rot. And that's, okay. that's game over then. Right. OK, that's a good tip. That's a good tip to know. Um, that might have been what I was doing with the house plants 10 years ago. But maybe over <laughs> over watering. Whereas now, I don't water the plants in their pots. I always take them all into the kitchen, and they. I, in fact, I don't even really water them over the top much. I normally just fill a bowl with um, filtered water. Well, deionized water. We take it out. I take it out the tumble dryer. Yeah. Out of the thing out of the tumble dryer, rather than using the chlorinated tap water. Um, and I'll put some in the bowl, and I'll sit the pot in the bowl and just yeah. let it take up the water from the bottom and then when, it's, when it's done give it a little bit of a shake pop mm -hmm. it back in its decorative pot which i don't have many as you can see 
my aloe there. He's just sat in like a little glass bowl because I've got too many plants for the pots that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just putting them in random things now, doing them around the house. No. Um, but yes, you know what to get you for a gift now. Well, yeah. For your houseplants. I was thinking about um, just using some of the Hessian sacks because they look quite nice. But you can grow things in those as well, can't you? Okay, Hessian yeah. sacks, yeah. yeah. So if you were to simplify growing fresh food for you and your pets into, I don't know, five easy steps, can you do that into five easy steps? What would <gasps> they be? Or would you need 10 easy steps? No, I think five easy steps should be it. I mean... Obviously, it's going to depend on space. Okay, yeah. Um, if you've got limited space, let's focus on limited space because the fact is the majority of us don't have great big gardens. Yeah, that's a good point. The majority of us are going to be looking at doing it in a more limited space. So prioritise what you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. Think about if you're growing for you, what do you like? What are your favourite foods that you could grow fresh? What do you use the most of? Because this is going to save you money as well. Yeah. The other thing to remember when you're growing it yourself is pesticides. So if you're growing yourself, you can grow organically. Yeah. Which I think most of us would prefer these days anyway. Well, I think that's one of the main reasons why we do it. Well, that is the main reason why I want to is so that I can control the environment that the food is grown in so that I yeah. don't have to use any pesticides and basically just because I just <laughs> I feel like it would be more tasty and better quality if you did it at home because it's not mass produced no and there's something very rewarding about going and digging your own spuds up yeah yeah can you imagine different so step number one so step number one plan what you're going to grow plan what so you think about grow. the space you've got available yep. prioritize if your space is limited prioritize so decide what you're going to grow yep you're going to need containers to grow it in so get your equipment step yep. two so get yep. your equipment you can repurpose so if you're buying a bag of compost that's going to come in a plastic bag yeah Reuse that plastic bag, grow your carrots in it, grow your spuds in it. Just cut a couple of holes so that plenty of moisture, the excess moisture can drain away. So yeah. get your equipment. Yeah. So then you need to, you can either grow from seed, you can grow from plugs, which you'll find in most garden centers in the spring, um, and also from bulb as well. So you'll get things like rhubarb crowns, um, garlic bulbs, onion sets. So go and buy the bits and pieces you need. So what are we on now? That's step three, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, step two was get your equipment. Is that step two or is this seed? Uh, seed step I three. would say that's probably part of it, isn't it? Part of Getting step two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so step one is decide what you're going to grow. Step two is get your equipment, containers and seeds. Another thing that I, I like to save for containers is those yogurt pots the yes. they're like 500 mil size yogurt pots you could yeah. save those and just like make sure you put holes in the bottom for the drainage but they yeah. are basically the same size as a as a container you would get for herbs 
Yes. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you'd not, even though I think plastic pots, they are quite cheap these days, aren't they, for that size anyway, for the small ones. But if you really were trying to save as much money as possible, if you do eat the yogurts, just save the pots. Yeah. Yeah. And it's reducing your plastic waste as well. So yeah. because there is so much of it around. So if you can repurpose something, do. Um, and there's all sorts you can find lying around that you'd be able to grow grow things in. So be creative with it, you know, old jugs, old bowls, all sorts is yeah. limitless, really. Yeah. Um, old so, wellies <laughs> with holes in the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I used to have a, a an old bathtub planted up with stuff. Yeah, my mum's got a toilet. She's got a toilet. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it smells better now. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so right, so we've got our gear. We've worked out what we're going to grow. We've got the gear to start growing. Yeah. I would recommend that you do a little bit of reading. Okay. Is that step three? So that's your step three. Okay. And what are we reading about? So just some basic understanding of how to plant yep. and how to look after those plants. Okay. The ones that you have decided to grow in particular. The ones you decide to grow in particular. Plants are individuals. Absolutely. Same yep. as us. And Sorry. they all need different care. Yeah. So you haven't got to go out and spend a fortune on books. There are so many resources online. Um, you've got things like the RHS, Royal Horticultural Society website, has so much information on how to grow both your ornamental and your edible crops. Yeah. And never be intimidated by it because I use the RHS website a lot when I was studying because actually it's in layman's terms. It's not complex. It's not full of all the Latin names oh, and yeah. basic steps on how to plant them. So how to plant your carrots, your seeds, um, you know, if you're growing tomatoes, I've always, always, always done mine from plugs. I've never done tomatoes from seeds. I will admit that plenty of people do give it a go. Um, but I was growing mine from plugs. So I get the little seedlings. So it'll tell you how to plant them. Make sure you've got your planting depth correct. Yeah. Um, and also there are other things like if you're going to grow potatoes, carrots. Have you ever heard the term earthing up? yes briefly yeah. yeah so that's where as the plant begins to grow you bring more soil around it oh yes to protect yeah. it from sunlight because if they Absolutely. get exposed to sunlight then it well it turns potatoes poisonous doesn't it, it yeah you'll see them go green yeah that, that can be toxic you'd have to eat quite a lot but i think for it to do you right okay, okay. Damage. but um yeah it's not ideal um so, you so just, rather than disturbing the vegetable and pushing it further down you would just encase it in moss soil and leave it where it is do yeah. not disturb the sleeping so baby example, potatoes as an easy example of what you do with that if i've got a, a grow sack i'll fill it a third with compost then i'll put my seed potatoes in yeah potatoes you do chit them so you allow them to sprout before you plant them um and then i'd probably fill the next third of the container then as the shoots come up as they get taller you just keep adding more compost uh so it's important not to use all the space don't use all the space with straight it, otherwise away. you're not going to be able to mound it up okay that's yeah. a good point i'll remember that and that doesn't go for everything you know carrots you don't need to do that because carrots are going to grow down go down okay 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 
<laughs> but all this information so on the rhs website it will tell yeah. you that a potato is going to earth up and that you need to do this whereas it'll tell you that a carrot is going to grow down yep yep it'll tell you all that well that's good to know that's, that's good. good to know because i'm guessing you can look at that website for free yes yes yeah, that's good so we've got us information there that's for free. one of many websites out there um, and obviously, you know, if you want to, if you're a book person, I am a book person. I have hundreds of books, <laughs> um, both fiction and, um, you know, I've got hundreds of books on gardening. Um, so if you are a book person, do it. Go and buy some books. Um, yeah. but don't feel you have to spend a fortune on that because the resources are all out there online. Um, so do a little bit of reading up. When you buy the plants that you're going to be growing, whether that's in a seed form or a plug form, um, whether it's onion sets, you will find if you're buying from a garden centre or somewhere like that, it will come with some basic instructions on how deep to plant them. Okay. How far apart to plant them. Because you've got to allow for them to grow, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah. put them right next to each other like that. Yeah. And then there's no space for them to get back <laughs> <laughs> and then you wonder why you've got tiny carrots teeny tiny yeah. carrots that are all twisted together but there's nothing wrong with a wonky carrot we love a wonky carrot um so yeah do a little bit of reading and then crack on and get them planted up get your hands dirty ruin your manicure so you i don't have one no me neither <laughs> i haven't had one for years because i just 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 it would be a complete waste of time and money if i'd paid for it <laughs> Press on nails if I'm going somewhere posh. That's I don't even do that. I don't go anywhere posh. <laughs> no. Oh, too busy. Too busy trying to grow veg and tend to the house plants. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got step one is yeah. decide what you're going to grow. Step two is get your equipment. Step yeah. three is do a bit of reading. Bit step of reading. four is plant. Get plant. planted. And step I five, need we need so what? step five is looking after them. Step five is looking after them. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to want to make sure that they're keep kept well watered. But like we said, don't overwater. Mm -hmm. Once every two weeks. Every plant as it needs it. As it needs it, based on how heavy the container is. Yeah. If... How large the container is. How warm the weather's been. Whether it's windy, because well, that will this... cause plants to dry out as well right okay um a good test which i was taught a long time ago and you can do this with your house plants as well is to stick your finger into the compost sort of down to there if you can yeah you pull your finger out and it's clean it's dry that means the compost is dry it's too dry if you've got nice moist compost stuck to your finger you're okay yep yep Okay. Because quite often it will look like it's very dry on the surface, but actually once you get in a bit, it's yes. lovely. Yeah, yeah, I found that with some of mine, to be fair, now I'm getting used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so then your step five is looking after them. Talk to them, have a chat with them, nothing wrong yeah. with that. Give them yeah. names, give them names. Names if you want to. Yeah, I've got names for some of mine. Yeah. Um, but, well, I've got... I've got one of the cheesecloth monsteras. Do you know which one I mean? I do, yeah. Um, and I can't, is it, is it, I call him Monkey Boy. He's one of the names to do with monkey. It is, isn't it, I think. I think on the label when I bought him, 
it, it had like a, a monkey poking through one of the leaves. But anyway, so he's my pride and joy because he is, I got him and he was probably about this big. And yeah. now from the floor, he well, he's probably about, well, I don't even know, he might be three foot, a bit taller than three foot. See how much works. And I had to get him a moss pole and everything. I was like, I need a bloody moss pole. I don't even know what a moss pole is. So I had to figure out what a moss pole was. And then I made one because I could either pay 20 quid for a mm. moss pole or I could make one out of a bit of old plastic piping and a bit of coconut coir or whatever it is, how you say it. Yeah. So I manufactured this moss pole. And there he is. He's thriving down there in the, right. in the bottom of the hole. <laughs> So give them names. I definitely would recommend it. <laughs> Ten years ago, you'd have just killed them off in about six months. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I just, I like this little guy as well. I got him. He was, he, he was one of the, because I, because I am so stingy, I always get the ones that are reduced. Um, you know, like they have yellow sticker sections in the plant section, like in, oh, Morris I know. in Morrison's and stuff. And this guy was a quid. He was a quid and he was literally oh, that. Man. It was like that big when I got him. And then I just repotted him the other day. So, yeah. But he ain't got a name yet because I can't decide because he's got pink on his leaves. So I feel like it should be. Pinker. I think that's a girl. Then. Yeah, I know. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll give her a name eventually. Eventually, eventually. Right, so yeah, step five is going to be caring for them. So making sure that they're kept watered and also feeding. It's important to feed it as well to maximise your crops. Okay, okay. But, and this is why we need step six. Okay, so what's step six? Harvest and enjoy. Oh, yes. How could we forget about harvest and enjoy? That's the main reason why we're doing it. Exactly, exactly. And if you're anything like me, half of it won't make it as far as the kitchen. I'm terrible for because I'll quite often grow tomatoes in um, tubs, but also in hanging pots as well and hanging baskets. Yeah. Um, and you kind of walk past and you pick up a little cherry tomato. And yeah, most of them don't make it as far as the kitchen. Yeah, we didn't see any raspberries this year because Esme went out and ate them all. <laughs> she didn't bring any inside. She ate them all. I think I might have tried one raspberry. We didn't have many, to be fair. We didn't have like, in, we didn't have them in abundance but every morning she'd go out with nana and just basically have breakfast yes. and eat all the right raspberries and then yes. you know that was it gone yeah that yes. was nice still will help himself <laughs> so we have got the ground as raspberries and he will go and pluck them off oh well, that's good you see boris won't eat raspberries but barney will i've got one dog who will eat anything Apart from he didn't eat his sauerkraut today, so I was a little bit annoyed at him for that. And Boris did eat his sauerkraut, so naughty Barney. <laughs> Just wasn't in the mood for it today. He wasn't in the mood for it today, no, no. no. Um, so let's talk about toxic plants. Toxic Tell us a little bit more about what is toxic to dogs in the garden and the home and how we can navigate that. Yeah, there is a lot of plants that are toxic yeah um and so it's it's good to have an awareness of it and to be watching i'm not saying watch your dog like a hawk every second of the day because it's just not possible yeah. um i am lucky steel doesn't tend to now dig up plants eat plants he's a grass eater always has been 
Mm. Puppies like a bit of grass. Mine are like that. Mine eat a lot of grass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he'll have blackberries in the garden. And I say he's helped himself to raspberries and things like that. But he doesn't tend to chew on plants. Yeah. Um, I do remember even having worked in horticulture being quite shocked a few years ago when I read a story about um, a Labrador um, that the owners were very unaware how toxic you, Taxus baccata, mm. how toxic that could be. Um, and they had this huge yew hedge and they'd been cutting it back and the dog had been playing with the off cuttings and things like that and she'd been chewing on it um, and sadly with something like that um, she reacted very strongly and resulted in kidney failure oh um and so this you know what was very healthy happy vibrant 12 year 12 month old dog was um terminally ill oh, um, and it's heartbreaking um so the other thing to bear in mind if you've got a chewer is a lot of the bulbs so we all have a spring daffodil um but again if your dog is prone to eating things they shouldn't um if you're going to be growing things like that make sure that they can't get to them they can't dig them up and eat them yeah well daffodils are toxic to people as well aren't they they are yeah and yeah. the plants that are toxic to dogs or cats are toxic to people oh it's, yeah we're less likely to chew on them yes we've been told not to. <laughs> yeah. um, there are a lot of, and again, you know, if you, you look at any of the um, groups that do foraging, they do talk about how important it is to understand what you're foraging for. Yeah. Because you can have two things that look almost identical. One of them is great. So let's take fungus. You know, one is yeah. a mushroom, yummy, 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 great for you. Another one, that's going to make you very, very poorly, if not kill you. Yeah. But they can look very, very similar. So it's really important to know what you're doing yeah because i think it like with mushrooms as well it could be something as simple as a pimple in the center of the yeah the top or it could just be a, a difference a slight difference in color in the gills underneath i don't know if they're called gills but yeah. i can't <laughs> no they are they are gills <laughs> yeah. they are. <laughs> look at me pretending i know about mushrooms <laughs> mushrooms is one of the um, topics that fascinates me we do have a lot of mushrooms growing around here because it's very mm. wet um but i will not pick them until i feel absolutely confident that i know what i am picking so it's something that i definitely definitely want to learn about but i am also very cautious about it as well because like you say it can literally be life and death um so what tip what tips do you have for everybody if they are going to be growing fresh and growing plants or they do have something around which they know is toxic to dogs how yeah. can they navigate that safely so that their pets can stay out of danger if you've got plants in your garden that are toxic there are things you can do obviously there's the training aspect of getting your dog to understand what is areas they're allowed to go and what areas they're not allowed to go yeah. you could create small fencing areas around your ornamental plants if you needed to mm -hmm. um, i'm a big believer in giving the dog an area of the garden that is theirs anyway yeah um, there are a lot of natural behaviors that are really good for them like digging um and so give them somewhere you know again when steel was younger we had a real problem with him digging up the flower beds um whereas giving him a space is that one of yours making that noise 
He's getting comfy in his bed down here, yeah? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> he's getting comfy, he's roughing it up. I'm surprised he's not, yeah, he's doing, snor he's snorting now as well. Normally he like goes, ruff, 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 ruff. Oh, he's getting <laughs> He'll be snoring in a minute. <laughs> yeah, so if you give them their own space in the garden to, to dig and maybe have a section, it doesn't have to be a great big high fence. It's just something to discourage them from going into those borders yeah okay um there again there's a lot of resources i could sit here now and read you a great long list of plants that are toxic yeah. um you may not come across any of them yeah they may not be in your garden you may not come across them on a walk you may not have to worry about your dog chewing on them because that's just not your dog's behavior yeah. but if you are looking to add more um crops into your garden ornamental crops rather because um, obviously the edible crops aren't typically an issue. Yes, there are things we shouldn't be feeding our dogs because they're not good for them. There's a lot that is good for them, but there are certain things that aren't good for them. Yeah. Um, so it's more the ornamental plants you've got to be careful of. So just finding a way, whether they're in containers, they're up a little bit higher, raised beds, all things like that can be done. But just look online. If you've got a dog that is likely to dig up and eat bulbs, then find a way to screen that yeah throw them in containers rather than in the ground so they in can't the in the same yeah. way kind of thing yeah. good okay i think everybody be able to follow that road there i hope so <laughs> <laughs> um right so we've covered basically how we can grow fresh and we've covered uh, on toxicity and growing in small spaces so one of the things I'm interested to know is how have your experiences within horticulture um, influenced your life with your pets and your attitude towards feeding fresh? So how have, how do the two tie together? I think, um, as I say, when I started working in horticulture, we just had the cat um, yeah. and the dogs came later. Uh, so I was already working um, in horticulture. I was learning more about um, edible crops through work because everything I'd done before had really been more about ornamental. Um, and it was actually the working at the garden centre. We had a pet shop concession within the garden centre. One of the uh, ladies that worked there was very much an advocate of um, not just raw feeding, but fresh feeding. And so when Steel came home, as a puppy, I was quite keen to try it. Yeah. Um, and so I was initially terrified of the thought of raw feeding and getting it wrong. So I think like a lot of people, I started with complete mixes Yeah. Um, that had the, the veg and it had, you know, your balance of your, your meat and your ruffle and your bone. Um, and I was slightly scared of it. But as my confidence grew with growing fresh product and I got involved with more fresh feeders um, and lots of support, you know, yourself, for example, I've learned so much from you over the last few years. Um, my ability to grow my own and add that into Steel's diet and know that it's organic, it's not yeah. covered in icky pesticides. Um, I'm not going out there and spraying all my veg. I'm going out and late night raids with torches and caterpillars and slugs um you know so i know that i'm putting the best in him and my time working with plants and 
that perseverance, even when I don't get it right the first time, of growing my own means I'm putting the absolute best I can into steel yeah. to make sure I'm a healthy, happy dog. Yeah, I know that's great. It's really great. And I hope a lot of people are inspired by this conversation to, even if it's just to try one herb on your windowsill, just to prove to yourself that you can yeah. do it and that it is not rocket science, basically. Because yeah. I think, um, well, you could even buy living herbs from the supermarket if you wanted to Absolutely. and just try and nurture them on your windowsill and get used to caring yeah. for the plant and it's do it that way. way. Yeah, yeah, because a, um, yeah. and then when your confidence grows, as with anything, you put a bit more thought into it. You want to try different ways. And I think, you know, it is a packet of seeds will cost mm. you, what, 50 pence to a pound, depending where you get them from? <laughs> These days. <laughs> what is it more than that? How much? Yeah, you're probably, oh, I'm trying to think, probably about pound fifty a pack, I would say. All right, okay, but still. But... If you think what you pay for a packet of carrots mm -hmm. and how many seeds you would get yeah. in a packet of seeds. Yeah, that's what I mean. And then if you save your yogurt pots, then you, pots. You, you don't have that much outlay. And then once you get going, you know, that's it. So I think it is because it is relatively easy to do. I hope people do try it because homegrown is so much more nutritious. But it is away from all the icky pesticides and everything else. So let's hope that at least one person comes back to us and says, I tried it, I tried it, and it worked. Oh, it's, it's so rewarding to go and pluck a tomato off a plant or sort of run a bean off of your plant. Um, yeah. Munch yeah, because they usually take, they're so much more tasty than what you buy yeah. from the supermarket because I think the, sometimes when you get them from the supermarket, they're just sort of like nothingness. There's not any taste to it. It's just texture. But then, like our tomatoes this year, I can't remember what variety they were, but they were so tasty. I yep. can't believe it. Oh, is this a tomato? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do buy potatoes from the supermarket, yeah. but they just don't taste the same as the ones we grow. I know. I know. So, yeah. So, Basically, just on a finishing note, if there is there anything you would say to pet parents who may be struggling with going natural, with starting to feed fresh, with maybe wanting to try growing something, if in terms of support rather than advice, is there anything, if there's one thing you could say to them, what would it be? Don't be afraid. Just a little, just one little change can be huge. And everything can go from there and just know that there's a huge community of people out there that are doing the same thing that are just as scared as you are just as unsure of their ability and their knowledge um and there are plenty of people out there who will give you support and give you the advice if you're looking for the advice yeah um, i've certainly found friends through this yeah and uh, I wouldn't be without them now, I have to say. I know, it's so, it's so lovely. I think we we have like um, met so many people through Perfect Nature and Bubby Chop's Pet Shop and everything like that, that it's the community that basically keeps everything alive, you know, aside from the businesses. And it's just a wonderful place to be. So I yeah. really, really do love that as well. And I do think a lot of people do get caught up and overwhelmed when they're trying to start something new because there's too much information and, ah, oh, what do I do? But yeah, I do. Well, I, I do love complex. that. 
you know, but just know there are plenty of people out there that will help you. Yeah. Good. What you want. So if people are interested in learning more about Steel and his daily dose of antics, where <laughs> can they find you? Well, you can find Steel on Instagram mm -hmm. um, and he is at top underscore dog underscore steel. Um, you will see him occasionally. He does come to work with me at the nursery. Oh. Um, so you will see him getting up to mischief there occasionally. Um, you'll <laughs> see him out on our big long hikes and out in the garden at home as well. Oh, good. That's lovely. Yes. Yeah, so if you are interested in learning more about Steel and his fresh food um, antics, stealing carrots from the garden and going on hikes, then do be sure to give him and Becca a follow on Instagram. But thank you ever so much, Becca, for joining us this evening. I have really loved talking about horticulture with you. As I say, it's something that I am greatly passionate in. And maybe you can return the favour with me and teach me some of your tips and tricks about growing the fresh food. Absolutely. yeah and to anyone that's watching this podcast you know feel free to drop me a dm via steel if you're <laughs> more than happy to uh help people get started out in the garden with their own growing that's lovely thank you becca thank you so much thanks for having me okay see you soon bye thanks for listening to another great episode of the my dog made me do it naturally podcast don't forget to check out the caption for any links discussed here today. And please, if you enjoyed the show, follow along and listen for free on your favourite podcast app. If you have any questions or would like to share your story, feel free to email me at mydogmademedoitnaturally at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Purpose of this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted as advice from a veterinarian or other professional. It does not form a client relationship with me, the host or any guest speakers and any information is not intended to and does not diagnose, treat, cure or prevent disease. And my guests express our own views, thoughts and opinions as individuals and the podcast neither endorses or opposes the views, products or services discussed here. If your pet is ill, always seek advice from your veterinarian. I am not a veterinarian and I do not treat disease or offer medical advice.